Our guy Grant Bills of the Wisco oh. Sports Show. Good morning, Grant. Evo, I, I thought you might be proud of me. I'm seizing the day. Uh, I, I normally am up before 7, but I'm not normally up doing things. So here I am. I'm doing things. I'm going out into nature like a man. I'm going to tackle the elements and see if I can't wrangle a nice fat wild trout before work this morning. So I appreciate Is that what you call it? Some people just call it playing with themselves. (laughs) Oh, you're actually going trout fishing. Nice, dude. Now, Grant, uh, do you go go barb or no barb when you trout fish? Uh, For small fish like this, no no barb. I'm going uh, up north north next weekend to try to wrangle some nice fat salmon and steelhead. There there you got to go no barb. I'd Mm. hate to... You know, kill a, a big, beautiful fish. Yeah. These fish, though, they're little guys. Huh? Yeah. Well, Grant, good for you, man. That yeah. sounds awesome. It's, it's a good way to take your mind off of things. Uh, as a guy who also, oh, yeah. I don't fish as much as I would like to anymore, uh, but it's very peaceful. It's, you know, serene. A lot of serenity out there, Grant. And uh, mm-hmm. this past, uh, Rowdy, you're going back to what, Thursday? Yes, basically starting with the Brewers blowing the game Thursday night. From Thursday to today, Grant Bills, or last night when the Phillies won, has been a hell of a whirlwind of Wisconsin sports. As a, uh, you know, I've been doing this uh, sports talk thing for a while, but Grant, as a guy who is, uh, you know, award winning and, and, and been on the scene for a little bit now, but, you know, a little greener than I, uh, has this, this past couple days here just been a sportscaster's kind of wet dream? Yeah, yeah, or just a dream. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a wet one. It could just be, you know, a dream. There, there's well, like I just don't three... want you to fall asleep when you're out there fishing. I guess you know, start dreaming. <laughs> I we had three huge stories yesterday, right? I mean, the Packer. We could do an, an entire week on that Packers game. We could have even talked about it week yet. on. Yeah, exactly. I barely. I talked about it yesterday, but not nearly as much as I would normally. We could do a full week of shows on Paul Christ, and if we weren't so fed up and sick of the Brewers by now, we could honestly talk about them for a week, too. We're just kind of sick of them, and we don't really want to. It was almost tough yesterday because we kept bouncing around topic to topic. Like, I'd take a call on Paul Christ, yeah. say something about the Packers, take a call about the Packers, take a call about Paul Christ. So it's just kind of been chaos so far this week on the Wisco Sports Show, but a good chaos. All right, Grant, let's just go. We've been talking Brewers to start the show. Let's just you know pull the bandit off with you. Um, is this, and I put it out at our Twitter account, Zone Madison, as Rowdy had been saying this, you know, for a while now, if the Brewers were to miss the playoffs, and you know, I think I might agree with them. And we'll get RJ's take coming up here. Is this the most disappointing Brewers season now that they are officially out of the playoffs? I'm not sure because I still can't decide if this team's good or not. Like I, I look at the roster and think they should be better than this. I don't know how much better, um, but they should certainly be better. I mean, the first year that comes to mind is 2014. Um, when the Brewers got off to a great start and then no expectations well. for that team though, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. This team had expectations. And another thing that we just can't forget is this division stinks, Evo. That's... Like all they had to do was compete with the Cardinals team that look, this Cardinals team isn't that much better than the Brewers. Both of these teams throughout the whole year had a strength and they had a weakness. The Cardinals had the offense. The Brewers had their pitching. The Cardinals did a little bit to address some of their weaknesses and the Brewers uh, didn't, and that ended up making the difference. I think that's what's so disappointing about this season, Evo, is the Brewers have made the playoffs under much more difficult circumstances. This year should have been pretty darn easy, uh, and they still couldn't get it done. However, it was nice last night, uh, and I will quote one of my favorite Brewers Twitter accounts, uh, Onavam Tracker, tweeted out, and I agree. It's nice that it is nice that the stakes were load, uh, lowered enough last night for Christian Yelich to participate and actually hit a home run. So that was a silver lining. You know what? One thing 2014 and 2022 have in common: self-inflicted, self-inflicted uh, harm 
by the Milwaukee Brewers. And what do I mean by that is, one, trading away Josh Hader and not acquiring like a bat, that's self-inflicted harm by the Brewers this season, a.k.a. selling. And then what about 2014, early in that year, where they claimed Wei Chong Wang off of waivers, (laughs) but because he was a Rule 5 guy, had to keep him on the roster, and it was a kid that was clearly not ready to play. And instead of having like a... 12, 13 man bullpen, you played a man down pretty much the entire season just to save yep. a kid that never was worth a crap in his entire career. Yes. Yes. I think that's a very apt and outstanding comparison. I just, I, you know, I woke up this morning to tweets in my mentions. People were going, I, I had one guy who was going back to a conversation that was going on at the beginning of August. And he's like, hey, just checking back in. Look, Hater looks great now. And there was this, it was like a 20-tweet argument that was two guys. Someone just waiting on it, Hader waiting on it for black. months to, to come back? He was literally wait, he was waiting on it for two months, Evo. And I woke up, and I'm like, I respect it. I, 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 respect, I respect the hell out of this. So the Brewers fans are down bad right now. The team is, has made us crazy. Of course they went to extras last night. It wouldn't have been any you, other way. Do you think the Brewers now will win out? They'll win their final two games? Just to, And Christian Yelich will like, you know, hit the cycle or something tonight, and then yeah, uh, like yeah, a grand yeah. slam tomorrow, or the day after? Yelich yeah. is going to hit for a bunch of bombs, and we're going to try to convince ourselves that he's carrying momentum into the offseason, although that's going to be a load of horse manure. Uh, but I'll try to convince myself of that. Of course Yelich is going to have a great two next games. Although, I will say, you know, for as much as we rip on Christian Yelich, I did watch in bed last night before going to sleep his entire locker room interview, and I, I did appreciate it. I thought he said some smart things. He seems beaten down and tired. He seems worn down by this season. So I, I will cut our guy Yelich a little slack. Um, I think he understands how things are going and what's going on. But it What's more it criminal? Hey, let me ask you this. What's more criminal? Uh, and we'll and transition here from uh, Brewers to Badgers. Christian Yelich making $27 million for that performance or Paul Chris getting $11 million on his way out the door? College football is wild, isn't it? <laughs> like, hey, we want you to – you're not – probably Yelich. College buyouts happen all the time. Like, Paul Chris, I think, early on when he wasn't making nearly as much money, was probably a bargain. And then the buyouts are just – you know, that's the nature of college football. Man, I, this Paul Chris stuff, when I saw the news, I didn't really have a reaction. I'm like, eh, well – you know, they were playing well, good riddance. You know, thanks, Chris, for a couple good years. But, you know, don't let the don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you, as they say. But then I was seeing all the players tweeting out pictures of Paul Chris yesterday. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going to miss this guy. I am a big Paul Chris fan. This is a bummer. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I see a lot of these players. Like, uh, I saw Nick Herbig's Twitter account last night. A lot of the players are doing this. Like, it's like it's like yep. they're holding a funeral for Paul Chris. Yeah. yeah. We're Sarah McLaughlin. It, it, it was a, it's like remember, remember when the cathedral of Notre Dame or whatever it was almost burned down, yeah. and, and every rich white kid who got to study abroad was posting their picture with it. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I I was so lucky to see it. Like that, it's kind of the same vibe. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 It's still standing. <laughs> hey, what do you? What's the vibe in lacrosse, Grant? And uh, well, just for you know your listeners and callers as well for uh, the state of Wisconsin football right now. Well. Uh, not great. I had suggestions yesterday to hire Gruden, uh, one for Saban. And what about mine? Uh, Urb, Rowdy said Urban Meyer. I'm going to throw in Deion Sanders, dual coaches. One year. Let the transfer portal go wild. Announce it now. Yeah. Just one year. One year. Dual coaches, Urban and Dion. I had someone suggest that they hire Urban Meyer just for the offseason to recruit, and then they fire him before the season starts <laughs> and, and let somebody else coach. <laughs> and I thought, you know, those are along the right lines, I think. I think theoretically here we're, we're getting in the right direction. Uh, somebody wanted Byron Leftwich. 
Uh, I remember off the top of my head, I'm keeping a list. Someone said a Matt LaFleur type. Oh, one, uh, one of your listeners and my listeners, Brett from Lacrosse, he said Matt LaFleur's brother. Yeah, I'm, I mean, sure. God, i got to look at one LaFleur on <laughs> Sundays who can't figure things out when the game gets tough, so why not have another? Um, yeah, my <laughs> callers are mostly. Is that a shot at LaFleur? We had some yeah. good discussions yesterday, but I don't, I don't know if we have our finger wrapped around it. I'm pretty down the middle. If they kept him, okay. I could I could bet, you know, on the program turning around. I really like Paul Chris. And if they want to move on and they think so, we've seen Paul Chris best days, all right, fine, move on. I, you, I get it either way. Do you think Jimmy Leonard is the answer? I mean, this, this is a, a trial period here. Uh, do you think yeah. he's getting, like, set up for failure? I don't know what has changed for this Wisconsin team besides Chris is gone and Jim Leonard's now in. Like, the same problems are still going to be there. Well, and Chris McIntosh should understand that, correct? I don't think he's expecting Jim Leonard to step in and go undefeated the rest of the way. I think he wants to see if Jim Leonard's ready to lead a program, right? Like and that might be completely run. independent from record. Yeah. It, it, what did uh, Ben Kenny was on my show yesterday, and I think he said it's not a tryout, it's a trial. And I thought, Ben, well, well, listen it, to well, you. Well, here's the thing. I said that in the morning show, and Ben said I really like that take uh, on air. I'm going to take it. It's recorded. So I mean, I mean, we all share. We're all very like-minded around here. Very smart and handsome individuals. Uh, speaking of handsome, Grant <laughs> Bills of the Wisco Sports Show joining us right now, uh, Grant. Uh, let's see here. So we'll table that for the Badgers. Now go uh, to the, the Packers. Yeah, let's do it. <sighs> now, Aaron Rodgers didn't play good. He got it together right. more in the second half. But if Romeo right. Dobbs catches that touchdown pass, and there was another play as well that would have gone our way, we're talking about like a blowout of the New England, pa- New England Patriots. What's the takeaway from well, uh, Rodgers, you know. this offense, and the Green Bay Packers? You're talking about we weren't far away from a blowout. Look, as someone who pumped Packers minus 10.5 all week last week, Oof. trust me, I'm, I'm well aware of how close that was and, and how it should have been a blowout. I've, I've played this scenario over in my brain a couple of times. Okay, let's do the Romeo Dobbs drop first. Um, how was the other Eric play? Eric got a 90 called in yesterday. Eric got a 90 called in and said, you know, I'm just a Vikings fan, Grant, but I don't understand all the Packers fans making excuses for Dobbs. He's a rookie. Like what? Was it okay to drop passes in college too? I don't get it. And I thought that was an astute point. Like mm-hmm. I, I understand. Romeo Dobbs is a rookie, but he's got to hold on to the ball. Also, what frustrated me about that scenario, he needed eight yards, Ebo, right? Like the Packers had first and ten and they were eight yards away from field goal range. They pick up nine, ten yards, run the clock down, kick the field goal, they win. I, I know that it should have been a touchdown, but I, I feel like situationally and that's especially with Matt LaFleur, they needed to be a bit better there. I think the, the thing that frustrated me most, and I think, Evo, you'll be on board with this, it was a beautiful day at Lambeau yesterday, picturesque, scenic, uh, the type of scene you get at Lambeau perhaps but once a year. The game was on CBS with Nance and Romo. It seems bigger. The Packers should have been, like, fired up to play yesterday. They should have been smelling blood in the water, coming out. They should have been a good old-fashioned Lambeau field butt-kicking. And they came out, and it looked like they were sleepwalking, didn't it? It looked like they didn't even really have any interest in playing. They, they looked indifferent, which yeah. is a huge bummer. That bummed me out. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, if there's no style points in the NFL, right? You, a win's a win's a win. True. And now uh, yeah. you hopefully don't sleepwalk because uh, jet lag is a real thing, Grant Bills, because now they go to London to take on the Giants. What do you think? Are you going to have some crumpets and tea Sunday morning at 830? I, I will be. I will be camping this weekend. I've already uh, I, I printed out the map. I'm turning into my parents. I printed out the map of the Packers Radio Network affiliate stations, but I found the one closest to where I'll be camping. There's one very close. So 
So I will be listening on Sunday morning when I am fishing, perhaps some tea and crumpets. Uh, we'll see. I I can't speak to jet lag. I have never flown anywhere. I think the longest flight I've ever oh. taken is like Detroit to Phoenix. Yes. It's about the longest yeah, I've ever yeah, flown. Yeah. So well, you'll have to speak to that. Well, Grant, I flew. To, I went to Ireland uh, many years ago. To Ireland, and I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. I drank copious amounts of uh, Guinness and Jameson, or if it was truly the jet lag. <laughs> but for about two weeks, I was uh, feeling like I was in the hurt locker. Could have been both. Yeah, though. I think it was both. Maybe, maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, the, the Packers, a win is a win, absolutely. You keep pace with the Vikings. You watch the rest of the games in the NFL. Nobody's winning pretty right now, except for, I guess, the Chiefs the other night. And, you know, like the Bills didn't win pretty. Nobody's winning pretty. So, I, I guess when you zoom out and you look at other teams, yeah. the Packers are doing okay. But I, I thought they had a golden opportunity yesterday or Sunday to play just an awesome game start to finish and beat up and on an opponent that just was really in a tough spot, and they just didn't jump at that opportunity, and that bummed me out. Uh, Grant, before I let you go, uh, I know we'll talk before yeah. this happens, but i got to get the vibe because I know it's a, a big feature on the Wisco Sports Show from 4 to 6 here. The NBA, oh. Grant Bills, oh. is nearing. The Milwaukee Bucks will take on the Philadelphia 76ers. What is that, uh, October 20th to begin the season? What's the vibe? Yeah. What's the, I mean, see, Giannis has a, now a, a Skittle addiction. What is the vibe on the Milwaukee Bucks entering the season? Well, I'm just excited to have our, our Prince back, uh, Giannis. I can't wait to watch him play again, obviously. And I think this Bucks team is, well, I don't need to tell you. They're going to be really good because guess what? When you have the best player in the world, your team's going to be really good. Yeah, and you're going to contend for a title. Right, yeah, like this, this isn't hard. Um, I am excited for them to play the Phillies. We've reached the point in the offseason now where a bunch of NBA players, sorry, Ben Kenny are talking themselves into the Phillies like we are the Sixers, like we haven't watched them for trust five the process, years now. Okay? And, trust the process. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 this is the year that Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid finally has the right players around him. It wasn't Jimmy Butler. Uh, it wasn't Ben Simmons. Uh, James Harden, fat old James Harden, actually, this is the season where it's going to click. Um, so I, I do get a kick out of that. But I'm amped to have the league back. There's going to be so many great teams. There's a couple big players coming off of injury. So teams like the Nuggets, and the Clippers, who were kind of just out of the mix seriously last year, are going to be back in. And our, our rivals to the north, Evo, the Timberwolves, are going to be fun this year. There's there's just a lot to look forward to uh, in the NBA. And obviously, I, I just want the season to start because the Bucks season ended in disappointment last year. The NBA and I Lounge. Want to get back to it. Don't forget about the NBA yeah, Lounge I, and the Wisco Sports Show. Look, look, I am I'm going to uh, when when it comes time to bring the NBA Lounge back, and I don't know what date it will be. I will be a self-aware radio host. I get that the NBA is not everyone's favorite. So I'm not going to force feed NBA talk down people's throats when we could, you know, talk about Paul Chris or about the Packers. So I get it. But the NBA Lounge will return before too long. It will be bigger and better than ever. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Trust Love it. Me. Grant, uh, you know, good luck uh, trout fishing. Get some trout. Do you eat them or do you just catch release? No, catch release, baby. Catch that a boy. Release. That a boy. That a conservationist in this corner. The state Evo, you know, you... You grew up near the beautiful Driftless yep. region. Catch you and release. Deserve what's ours. Until the world, yep. be, until the supply chain's cut off completely and the world's ending, then you can start eating them, right? <laughs> yeah, by the way, the, the catch and release is also something that David Monona takes giant offense with. So oh. well, if he hasn't called this morning, that's another thing he can add to his Hey, list. ask Dave from Monona what his favorite number is. He'll tell you. One. It's the loneliest. This, I won't tell you any more about it, but if, ask Dave what his favorite number is. And he'll... I'll ask him later today if he right. calls. Grant, we, lo- we, we love you, Grant. Good luck fishing, and we'll check you out tonight, 4 to 6, on the Wisco Sports Show. You guys have a great day. Thanks for having me, as always. See you, buddy. See you. See you Grant. And then you got the Wisconsin Badgers. The state of the program is uh, a lot of question marks coming around right now. That's why we welcome in. Uh, one of the most handsome men in all of Wisconsin media. Our guy, Jake Kokorowski, Madison.com, Wisconsin State Journal. Good morning, Jake. What's up, dude? 
You're making me blush. You all can't see this. That, that that was a beautiful intro. I appreciate you. I mean, you know, you, you know, for those that don't know, Ebo, you know, lifts at the gym too. So I got to give you props, brother, for uh, your 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 gains in the gym uh, and whatnot as well. But uh, great having well, on, dude, being on, guys. I mean, what the yeah. hell are you squatting and and uh, deadlifting now, Jesus? <laughs> I haven't been on a regular schedule since the season started. This is kind of my, I've been trying to eat right, which when you're on the road is not necessarily a great thing. But yeah. I mean, at one point I was at 505 for squat and I, you know, my deadlifts were around, I think the most I've ever done was like 535, 45-ish. <laughs> uh, but I'm shooting for six at some point. I need to get back into, I need to, what I need to do, I got a home gym. I need to um make a portable deadlifting, uh, you know, lift basically like a, a, it's a way that you protect your, just go, just go, out, in your, go out in your driveway and start just, you know, picking up your car. I think that'll, that'll work for you, buddy. That works. Hey, speaking of I'll diet, speaking of your diet and whatnot, <laughs> your diet might take a hit on October 12th. I know. Cause I'm the same as you are. We love Culver's like Culver's is the end all be all about <laughs> the Curter burger is back on October 12th. Jake, I don't know if you're a fan or not of the Curter burger. You know what? I had it last year, and I was one of those people that waited outside at 1030 in the morning in a car <laughs> off of Mineral Point Road uh, because I knew this was going to happen. And you know what? My wife, I got home. I was listening to y'all a little bit earlier. And so I remember being, you know, I dropped off one for my wife because she's my better half, right? right. And so, I, I, you know, so she got a little bit warmer than I did. And she goes, oh, this is really good, actually. I got home and mine was just a little, you know, she's about a 10, 15 minute drive from where I was. Yeah. So mine was a little bit colder. Uh, it wasn't Culver's fault just because I dropped sure, mine off sure, for my sure, wife first. Sure, but, sure. Uh, you know, it was good. Um, you know, yeah, I'm I'm do what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, maybe I'm going to give another try. You know, I thought it was good. But yeah. Well, you, you and know, Rowdy can go together because Rowdy's going to give another try. I said, too. You and Rowdy can have a little, a little bro date out there. Hey, all right. So, uh, Jake, <laughs> let's talk. I'm trying to avoid the inevitable here, but there's a reason why you're on. Uh, your awesome work, uh, statejournalmadison.com. That's on, you know, the Badgers. Um, dude, how big of a shock was it as a guy who, you know, covers the team, uh, has got his finger on the pulse? Was it a big shock that Paul Chris was showing the door after that loss to Illinois? Or was it like, I maybe could have seen this coming? You know, it is something where I do feel it was. I mean, it's unprecedented for for. Wisconsin, I feel right where you don't see this happen mid-season, and yeah, it, the college football landscape—it's become—and I wouldn't say precedent, but it's become less than uncommon. You know, you have Nebraska and other programs. Uh, Colorado was on the same day as Wisconsin, etc. Uh, you know, and so in my eyes, you know, I'm—you and I were talking before we went, we went live. I'm sitting on Sunday night. I got a couple articles already in the queue. I'm feeling good about where I'm at to start the week, you know, and, and, you know, as they head into Northwestern and next thing you know, I see Adam Rittenberg's tweet and then, oh my, uh, and I sent it off to our state journal team and, you know, all hands on deck. I'm writing a story before I run down to Camp Randall stadium and, you know, talking to Chris McIntosh uh, and then Jim Leonard and whatnot. So it's, it, you know, it, to me, it was, you know, this is something that uh, obviously, you know, Wisconsin has been underperforming this year, you know, they're two and three, you know, there's still, you know, seven more games left in, in the regular season uh, for sure. And yeah. uh, it is, but you also, uh, you know, it's, yeah, to me, it was just shocking because I didn't know, you know, it just, uh, yeah. you don't see this happen. Well, it's not a Wisconsin, Wisconsin move, right? It's so unprecedented. It's not like Wisconsin. So when you're down there at that, you know, that the impromptu emergency press conference there, uh, we've, I've seen the videos, I've listened to the audio, but you were there, you know, in attendance. What was the mood like from McIntosh and Jim Leonard? Like, what was it somber? What was the mood like? 
Yeah, it was very somber, you know. And I guess what also made it surprising too, real quick, is this, you know, like Jim Polzina Thomas talked to Chris McIntosh, you know, in a kind of a like a week before, the program right? type interview. Yeah, that day, week before, and so you know, so that's what makes it even more, uh, you know, like you know, I would say, you know, for the timeline as to when it would happen, that, that was. I would call it shocking, but, uh, but yeah, but even like the, the mood, you know, was, it was a mix of, yeah, it was somberness, you know, it was, yeah. uh, and I, I think they balanced, you know, they, there was a lot of love for Paul Chris for what he did with the program. You know, he took it over from Gary Anderson and, you know, and, and what happened there and kind of rebuilt the offensive line, you know, got him to three new year, six bowl games, you know, they, they effused praise for what he had done, but they also balanced that with, uh, you know, with, what was going on and, you know, making the change and, and whatnot. So, I mean, you heard that tone from both, you know, Chris McIntosh, you know, and Jim Leonard for, you know, Paul Chris and UW hired, you know, Jim with no coaching experience in 2016 as its defensive backs coach. And then one year later, after only one year as an assistant in in the college ranks becomes a defensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, and, and Jim mentioned that during, you know, during the press conference. So, you know, there is a, uh, you know, it was a mix of, you know, yeah, the somberness and the, the, the you know, they effused respect uh, and, and praised sure. Paul for what he did with the program. But, you know, it's also one thing where, you know, they're, they're looking to, you know, make a change for the program as well. So uh, Jake Kokorowski joining us right now. You can be sure to follow him on Twitter. Uh, great follow, by the way. Jake Coco, K-O-C-O. Love it. Uh, Badger Extra, Madison.com, Wisconsin State Journal. So, Jake, now that Jim Leonard, I mean, you talk about no coaching experience, all of a sudden thrust in, and then the the ascension right to D.C. Now he's the interim head coach. What? <laughs> this team has a lot of problems, though. Is is Jim Leonard a cure all for those problems, or is it like, what does this team do moving forward? Because what has changed besides now Paul Chris has gone and Jim Leonard is the the interim. Right. I mean, it always, there's always like a, and granted, I wouldn't say a, a fresh voice because Jim's been there since 2016 and been a defensive coordinator since 2017, but suddenly in the program can provide a, a, a fresh voice or, you know, maybe there's an energy, you know, a different energy that could be given, uh, you know, with just a, you know, a change in leadership in that mm. realm. But you're right though. You're, you're, there, there are things where they need to fix where a uh, defense that's normally a top five, top 10 unit, you know, and it's, you know, I, I wouldn't call it rebuilding, but, you know, they're, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it reloading that defense after the first five games right. either, right? Where, uh, you know, you have to, I think you're seeing some of the players that, you know, they're missing from last year, you know, Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn, the senior leadership of like a Scott Nelson and, uh, you know, in the, on top of that, Colin Wilder. Uh, so I think, you know, this is a team that's on defense and, you know, they've given up, you know, in the past three, you know, two games, they've given up three 100 yard rushers, you know, and two from Ohio state. And then last week with Chase Brown in Illinois. So they, and that's their MO for defense is trying to stop that run. You know, that's the, they want to get teams into third and long and then pin their ears back and get pressure. And they've only had, nine sacks in, in 10, you know, in five games, yeah. uh, which is under, under what they've done before. Offensively, I think I know that's where everyone's looking at. You know, I think the passing game still looks better than last year underneath Bobby Ingram. You know, I think that the, there's a deep, you know, a deeper wide receiver group. And you've seen Wisconsin air it out more, but it, it also comes down to the line play. You can do that on both sides of the ball with there, yeah. well, with that. Uh, but, you know, the offensive line is not getting the push and, and whatnot. And, you know, uh, Bob Bostad wasn't going to be an instant cure at offensive line either, right, where after taking over for Joe Rudolph, if there's different techniques or whatnot, and there's also been injuries to the group. You know, Riley Malman beat out Logan Brown for the right tackle spots, been out 
since, you know, he got injured in the Illinois state game and you know, Jack Nelson against Ohio state was out. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, but they haven't established, you know, what they're known for with the physical offensive line play and, and beating you down. You know, Brett Bielma followed a playbook of winning at the line of scrimmage. That's the Wisconsin play formula yeah. for so many years. Bielema out uh, Wisconsin, so, Wisconsin. I mean, right. And so that's, so that's, that's, that's what, you know, going forward, how is that going to change for the rest of this season? And, you know, that's, that's something that the players and the coaching staff need to figure out. And, you know, we'll see what changes are implemented underneath, you know, Jim Leonard's, you know, new, you know, the, the, the new reign yeah. of Jim Leonard as, as head coach. Hey, what do you think, uh, Jake, what do you think of the Wildcat stuff? Yeah, I like the Wildcat. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'll be honest. I like it because, I, I, but, you know, it, it's a new wrinkle. And, like, even I was charting plays, uh, you know, late Saturday after the game. And we do that. Colton Bartholomew, who's the other, yeah. uh, bad, you know, he's the Badgers football beat writer. Great guy. Follow him. Uh, a, you know, amazing eye for football. But we we're just talking, you know, we chart per, uh, plays for personnel. And personnel are just, you know, if we say 12 personnel, it's one running back, two tight ends. If it's 11 personnel, that means one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So we, we do that just to see what they're calling and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, they unveiled, you know, some, some new looks. Uh, even last week where, you know, they had Isaac Rendell split out wide on that touchdown, but they had a running back in the backfield. It was like a 21 personnel out of shotgun. And they also, I think, had a, you know, no tight ends on one. They had two uh, running backs in there too. So you're seeing like some wrinkles that you haven't seen before. And that includes the Wildcat. And so uh, within that, you've seen in Ohio State, they got some marginal success. You know, it wasn't explosive plays. Uh, I think, you know, and for that matter, Braylon Allen actually had, I think it was Skylar Bell open and he just, you know, didn't throw it correctly and had him for a first down in that game against Illinois. So I think there's some, I think it's a way to put your best players on the field, especially if you can get like a Ches Malusier or Isaac Garendo, who I know was injured during the game uh, last week, but you can get multiple running backs in there to give them different looks uh, and you can exploit things different ways. Um, what we see it go, you know, going forward is going to be interesting just because uh, it also goes towards game planning towards each opponent, right? Where will this work against a Northwestern defensive, but which by the way, uh, there's a game Saturday, which yeah, is I was going to ask you, but uh, that was my last question for you coming up. What do you think happens uh, at, at, you know, Evanston and Ryan's field against Northwestern? Well, you know, you talk about the wildcat in the rushing game. I mean, Northwestern comes in, they're 13th in the league in rushing yards. Wow. They're allowing over seven, 170 yards per game. They've had three opponents rush for over 200 yards against them already. So if you're looking for like a, I hate saying get right because there's going to, it's going to take more than one game to get right. Yeah. You have, uh, you know, this could be a, a spark and a catalyst for greater things going up, up against this Northwestern defense. That way, I, I will say that uh, you know, Northwestern sloppy conditions created five t- turnovers against Penn State last week. So I mean, Wisconsin's got a follow their form. They can't beat themselves. And I think that's one thing with this team that's been really uncharacteristic for this season. They're beating themselves with turnovers, untimely turnovers and penalties. And so, you know, and so that's, that's going to be one thing that for me, I'll be watching on Saturday is how clean of a game will they play uh, against Northwestern, but also on, you know, defense, you know, they have to stop Evan Hall, that running back for Northwestern, who can both catch the ball. He leads the team in receptions as well as being its leading rusher. Uh, Northwestern's offense scores under 20 points a game. I think Wisconsin can do well there, but they've got to contain Hall, and I would say even like uh, Malik Washington, their wide receiver. But yeah, it's it's Ryan, Ryan Field. We all know this. They're two and six since the 1999 season. This is not. It's been an abyss of success, a black hole of success for the program in the past two decades. Yeah. So 
it will be, you know, this is kind of the Hollywood type. Uh, I feel I, in my opinion, where, Hey, all right, you know, new direction, new coach, Try and turn the ship around. Well, you got to go to a place where you've hadn't had a lot of success in twenty years. Man, so but, you know, uh, like, we'll see on what paper, happens. they're just not good. You know, like the Wildcats. So, you, you fingers crossed. All right. So, before this, are you going down to uh, Evanston? Then you're going to be at Rhinefield? That's the plan for now. Okay. Uh, yeah, have you been to Mustard's last stand? I have. I have not. Okay, so RJ, who's uh, you know uh, in here with us in the seven o'clock hour, was with Wisconsin football for five years. Uh, he says, "The are you a hot dog guy? I assume you are. You a hot dog guy? Oh, of course." He said Mustard's Last Stand uh, right outside of uh, Ryan Field is like the best, Ooh. the best. Now, home, you've been to Home Depot getting their Chicago dogs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He said this blows it out of the water. So, Jake, I need, you, I need not only you to, and your awesome work at the State Journal, Madison.com, cover the Badgers, but I need a full review if you do find Mustard's Last Stand and go get a Chicago dog there. Hey, hey man, I've been doing my Big Ten roadies. I did that in Columbus at uh, Ray Ray's Hog Pit, which is right next to Land Grand Brewery uh, in Columbus, and that was fantastic. So, I mean, I was going to run with a gimmick, and I'm gonna, I'm spoiling the gimmick now. I was going to go to, like, oh, this is Big Ten roadies. Every time, you know, like, going to show you the best restaurant in, you know, <laughs> in every Big Ten town, and it would be the nearest Culver's. But I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> you got to stay on brand, Coco. you got to stay on brand. Yeah, i got to stay on brand just to, like, you know, hey, you know, always looking for sponsorships. I'm good with that. Uh, but, no, it's, a, it's funny. This, yeah, but, no, we, like, I, I'll have to check that out. I just DM'd check it to you. The- I just DM'd it to you. On, uh, I love it. On uh, Twitter. Hey, Jake, before I let you go, man, I know you're doing some new stuff, too, uh, with the State Journal. Tell everyone how they can find you and uh, the Badger Extra stuff and everything. Yeah, I appreciate you there. You know, we have Wisconsin State Journal. Of course, you guys can, y'all can subscribe there, madison.com. Uh, we have that new premium service, Badger Extra, and I've been working a lot on videos and, and just new insights. We have recruit. You, you'll see some uh, recruiting analysis and breakdown this week, but also, you know, we have this week in Badger history, and I'm working on that. That'll be up on Thursday. We're, we're, we're talking about a game that got the Badgers right, where, uh, you know, Ron Dane rushes for over 160 yards in 1999 as Ohio, you know, they beat Ohio State and come back from behind. I was a 17 nothing. Uh, so we have like really cool features. Jim Polzina, our columnist, does his open gym podcast. Tons of insight and analysis from him. Uh, and we got, you know, our Badger Legends series, everything there. So yeah, give us a try. You know, we'd love to you know, have you be part of the Badger Extra community. And that's on, you know, that's on top of all the great stuff too as part of the, the State Journal. We love you, brother. We'll follow along Twitter, Jake Coco. You're the man. Thanks so much for your time, Jake. Hey, appreciate you, man. We'll talk soon. Adios. There he is, our guy, Coco. And 1,000 people in Green Bay uh, breathe with a sigh of relief. It's a, they're a good team. You know, uh, we, we faced a really good Patriots team, and, uh, you know, we play in the NFL. I mean, the, the wind kind of was dying down there late in the game, so, uh, you know, I, I just told them if we get, you know, inside the, you know, the, the 45, I'm going to give one a give one a ride. So, uh, you know, I think anything 60 and in, we were, you know, probably going to try. But, uh, you know, again, we got that first down. I think it would have like at the 30-yard line or so, and then uh, you know, we just ran that ball and got us down to a 31-yarder, which was exceptional. The one saving grace of the weekend that was Wisconsin sports, the Green Bay Packers. Ugly, but found a way to win. Handsome, our guy Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. How are you, pal? Mike, I'm on freaking cloud nine, dude. I mean, despite the Brewers missing the playoffs, the turmoil with the Wisconsin Badgers, we do have a Packers win, so that puts me on cloud nine. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, is Rowdy in the running for the Badger thing? Is that? 
Is it for a new head coach? Yeah. I'll turn in a resume. Okay. All right. The Rowdy, Rowdy really wants to get in the running for Brewers manager, I think, though, Mike. Are they going to have, like, a job fair for that job in here? I don't know. I mean, there's that you know they have the opening illegally. You have to post it. So I, I assume yes. Rowdy's got to put his resume in. You know, right? Sure, they'll do that. I no, mean, it could I, be Jim Leonard's next year, but legality-wise, you do have to post the job. No, you know something. At about two thirty, I was sitting at a table with a bunch of guys that cover sports in the Lambeau Field press box, and you know, I had not seen uh, all of the game. And then when I did tune in, it's like, oh, my, I, you know, the unthinkable was happening, that Bielema <laughs> is beating the Badgers like that. And all I said to those guys who knew far more about Badger football than I do is I said, how many recruits do you think they lost yesterday? You I know? know there was some in the stands. I'm pretty sure they left before the game was over. That's what, I, that's what one of the guys said. There's like, he said there's like, there was like 30 of them in the stands yesterday. I go, you know, that's, that's when the athletic director takes a look at what's going on with the program and says, you know, he – Got to put a pause on this. Well, anyway, uh, Aaron Rodgers came off of this overtime win and said, yeah, okay, we won again, but we can't do it this way. This is unsustainable. And uh, I think that was an interesting message he put out across. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how about Bill Belichick, man? I mean, the guy comes in with Brian Hoyer, loses him after about five, six plays. And then this Bailey Zappi kid who threw for over 5,000 yards and 56 touchdowns last year i mean just crazy crazy so um uh, you know he comes in and, and steps in at quarterback and i was up in the patriots in the visitors locker room for a while uh seeing what these guys had to say about the game and and uh, zappy you know came to the podium wearing his number four jersey there and he, i mean he kind of sounded like a 15 year old kid <laughs> and he talked about that all the help he was getting during the game on the sidelines between each series from Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia. Uh, and then what he talked about what it was like to meet Aaron Rodgers after the game ended in overtime. Yeah, he just said, um, good luck the rest of the way. I said same thing for him. And he said congrats on the, you know, playing for the first time. And as far as being prepared, I've been doing this for like the last three weeks, kind of just preparing myself as, you know, as I'm going to play. I feel like that's one way I can continue to learn, continue to grow as a player, um, treating every week, you know, that way. Um, I did my normal stuff, met with coaches, watched film, met with teammates, did all that stuff. Joe, Matty P, uh, Coach Belichick, they we all come over after series and, you know, look at the little tablets, look over the pictures and everything, kind of going through coverages they gave us through certain formations and um, just kind of talking out that last series, and that really helps moving on throughout the game. That's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, you gotta you gotta coach the guy up. Obviously, you're under third string quarterback, and uh, good thing that Aaron Rodgers buried the hatchet with Brett Favre long ago, Mike. Because if you're wearing that number four, Rodgers might have gave him the cold shoulder. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I can, there's a lot of these young quarterbacks wearing number four because they were like five years old when Favre was at the end of his career. So Bill Belichick. I mean, year after year, I. You know, there's, to me, there's a bit of a mystique there. And and, and even what he's been able to do uh, after Tom Brady, I don't think it's, you know, it's just to, just to get into the playoffs like he did, what was it, a year before? But just to, what he's, whatever he's doing, I'm still thinking he's a pretty amazing coach. And he, he you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out um, just some of the things that why he gets players to play for him like he did Sunday night and, and the way he picks players 
the way. One thing that Randy Moss told us several years ago at a Super Bowl was that, um, like, with the five or six different coaches that he played for, Belichick just comes to you and says on Wednesday, here's the five things that you need to do for this game. And, and your five keys. Don't look to anything else. Just stick to this. Do your job, and everything will always fall into place. And, he, and the adjustments that he makes in the game. So Belichick comes in about 40 minutes after the game, after all his players have spoken, and he's a shorter guy than you think. Um, and a, I mean, he, he looked like he was emotionally drained. So part of that act is, you know, he's just so moderate. He's just at, it's one level of energy. He apparently is just so smart about this thing. And apparently, you know, his football IQ is so high, that's what motivates players to want to go play for him. And, you know, he gave he pretty much just all he said was the reason we lost is because of Aaron Rodgers, because he's so great, he's so smart. Our Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. But he was asked, hey, about that Bailey Zappi kid? I mean, he looked pretty good for, you know, a fourth-round pick, right? Yeah, I thought he competed well. What message? What was the message to Bailey? I don't know. Was he different in the second half in terms of boys? In terms of no, he's, no, I don't think so. No, he's good. He's ready to go. That's what he needs to be. <laughs> Bill Belichick. I mean, Mike, you, you you know are covering a lot of obviously NFL players and coaches and et cetera. Is he the most uh, the a riddle wrapped in an, an enigma up there on the podium? Well, you know, have you ever have you when you hear these other questions go down in flames? Don't you aren't you up for the challenge to say how could I get this guy to talk? <laughs> what what question can I ask that he won't dismiss as stupid? And be forced to come up with a, an right. intelligent reply, <laughs> just, uh, rather than just you know your usual coach speak or whatever. Now you know I have asked him a couple questions, and that's at the Super Bowl. But that's on Wednesday or Thursday, the Super Bowl. There's 150 media people there. He's in a happy mood because you know he's had the big game again, and you know he has pretty good, he has pretty good answers. Like that, you also have to work pretty. I mean, if you come to a press conference with Belichick, you better be prepared with the question you're asked, or he's just going to blow you off. It's, yeah. He's, you know, he's like some sort of old, you know, there was a movie called The Paper Chase about law school in Boston. That's what he is. He's like an ornery old Boston professor. So I think it's named Grumpy Old Man, the movie. Grumpy Old Man. <laughs> oh, one other thing about that game. So the, the Patriots, Devontae Parker, lines up left, and he, he's got Rasul Douglas on him, and then as he turns and goes over the middle, Douglas releases him, thinking somebody else is going to pick him up like, I don't know, Rudy Ford who was in for Adrian Amos or one of these other guys, and instead he looked like Justin Jefferson, just crossed the field wide open, put his hand up, and, you know, Bailey flipped in the ball, and they got a 25-yard touchdown. And and on the TV, um, you know, I checked that yesterday, you got Jim Nance and Tony Romo say, hey, hey, the clock expired two years, mm-hmm. the play clock expired two seconds ago. LaFleur said he was it was brought to his attention there wasn't any questions about it yesterday, but I still want to ask that tomorrow. Like, has anybody tracked this down? Is there something out of sync with, you know, the scoreboard people or the network and the same clock that, you know, because it's the officials on the field that ultimately control the clock. But, you know, that was off by three or four seconds, and, and 
that shouldn't be happening. No, it was uh, egregious. Still looking for answers in that. All right, so up next is the New York Giants, 3-1 and one under Brian Dable, you know, a guy who's a longtime NFL guy, the last three years offensive coordinator for the Bills, and they're playing the Bears uh, at home in East Rutherford, and they beat them 20-12 to 12 to go to 3-1. and one. But um, Daniel Jones, who runs around a lot, um, he has a, a, an ankle injury, so he leaves the game. Tyron, uh, Tyron Taylor comes out, and, and he gets a concussion. So then Jones has got to come back into the game on the bad ankle. Uh, Dable was asked about uh, some of these other guys that uh, he's got all uh, banged up, like uh, Kenny Galladay, the, uh, you know, the, who left the Bears game with a knee injury, and how some of these other guys are doing. Uh, Galladay, we'll see how it goes towards the end of the week. I'd say it doesn't look promising. Robinson, Henry Mondo, Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon. Let's go one at a time. All right, Mark Lewinsky. He should be okay. Uh, Aaron Robinson. Uh, probably not. Uh, Henry Mondo. Uh, probably not. Well, that's good news. It's not season ending then. Uh, nope. Are they going to field the team in London? Are they going to have to get some some blokes off the street there? He's already talking about three practice squad guys. He's going to have to bring up, you know. And so you know that's a corner right there. That's a starting defensive lineman right there. Probably not. Uh, and then Dable's asked about. Okay, so, you know, everybody says that these London trips, it's all in how you prepare your players. Otherwise, they're going to be out there and lethargic and jet lag, you know, Saturday, Sunday morning, about 8.30 our time here in Wisconsin. So he was asked, what are the Giants doing to get the players ready for their trip to London to play Green Bay Sunday morning? Well, we've made it. We've made adjustments uh, this week in terms of whether it's reps, no pads. Uh, we'll have a meeting to go through things regarding that trip. You know, it's my first time going across seas to participate in a football game. We look forward to it. Not much longer travel time than it is to go to the West Coast. So, we'll just try to do our job during the week to get ready, and then they'll have their day off, and it'll be a fairly normal week. Other than we travel on Thursday. And that jet lag's no joke. I flew to Ireland years ago, and it was it could have been the you know the Guinness or maybe the Jameson copious amounts, Mike. But that jet lag's no joke, man. No, and you got to play a football game. You got to play a tough, physical Giants game the way they're playing right now. Okay, so you know about a month ago, Elton Jenkins coming back from the ACL, and I thought Rob Reichel made a good point on the program when he was talking about, hey, you know, Elton Jenkins' last job was left tackle. And he's got a you know contract coming up, and you got to wonder if his camp is saying, "Hey, man, you're not going back to guard. We, you know, you're a tackle. You should be a left tackle in this league. You should be getting left tackle money." And so yesterday, Matt Lafleur was asked, "Hey, you know, Yash Nyman, um, you guys love him so much when he's in there for Bakhtiari. Maybe he should be playing right tackle for you right now." And, and Lafleur was asked that question yesterday. Uh, I think potentially that that is something that we've definitely talked about and we'll continue to do the best job we can in terms of uh, repping these guys throughout the course of the week and practice and, um, you know, but that is that has definitely been something we've talked about. We haven't made a decision on that yet. Mm, we'll see what happens there. Bakhtiari is trending that way to be 100%. I mean, I know no one's 100% in the NFL, but he's trending that way, yeah, Mike? Yeah, well... Uh, and because Nyman was ill, um, Bakhtiari ended up playing 70 snaps in the game, in, you know, in a game that went into overtime. So uh, depending on if he's 
okay. You know, LaFleur keeps on talking about it's a fluid situation. I think that's a poor choice of words when you're talking about Bakhtiari's <laughs> left knee. Right, no kidding. But anyway, I skip ahead. I want to talk about the what Matt LaFleur had to say about the Packers and the Giants in London. Now, yesterday, you know, he said, I don't really want to talk about our plan because somebody else might be listening. Like, well, I'm sitting there saying, listen, dude, I was there when I asked you during the OTAs, right after the schedule came out in May, um, hey, so you, you got a game to London. Have you ever been on one of these things before? And back in May, Lafleur kind of revealed the whole game plan on how you take a team to London in the middle of the season. Yeah, this, this will be my third experience going over there, and I know we've had a lot of coaches that have had that experience. Um, you know, it just you kind of take it in stride in, in regards to uh, how you travel. It's a, it's a lot different. Uh, typically, at least from my own experience, we've left on a Thursday evening. You fly through the night, you get there on Friday, and you, you almost go right to work and try to wake these guys up a little bit. And uh, You might go on a, a quick walk, but then you, you kind of get into um, a Friday walkthrough type practice. And then... Um, you, you try to keep the guys up at least till like seven o'clock or so on Friday evening, and then um, then they can go to bed. But uh, yeah, it is uh, an adjustment for for everybody, no doubt about it. I think one of the things that's so important for us is just making sure that we get our plan in to those guys prior to leaving. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they react. I mean, the game on Sunday, Saints Vikings was a that was a fun one to watch. You know, so I mean, we'll we'll see what happens on Sunday. What eight thirty kickoff, Mike? Yeah, uh, and so, you know, what LaFleur is saying is those guys will come in normal time Thursday morning, maybe weightlift at 6.30, 7 in the morning, have their practices, and you try to get all that game plan installed in by Thursday instead of Friday. And then, you know, they leave from Green Bay and they start flying across. By the way, I, I was told, too, that, yeah, everybody had to get their passports together like last May or so. Some of them still got left over from Winnipeg. You know, that stupid preseason yeah, game the in hole Canada in the field. Yeah. against the Raiders. Yeah, 80-yard field. <laughs> so but stupid. yeah, that's what LaFleur says. You fly these guys all night long. They'll probably sleep some on the plane. But as soon as you land in London, you get them back out there and you go through a walkthrough and you get them in meetings and try and keep them up and push them so that they get a solid night's rest on Friday, solid night's rest on Saturday, and then they should be good for Sunday afternoon London time to play the new york giants mike we sending you to london you going no i'm not <laughs> I was gonna say, you want to get on no, that plane with the package a little stowaway game from in studio for the uh, post game Ooh, show. beautiful mike well good stuff man always a pleasure and thanks for breaking it all down we'll check you out later this week as well as you know grant's show bill michael show all kinds of good stuff mike thank you so much thanks Evo. see you buddy there is mike clemens mike clemens nfl on twitter go check it out the brewers are done they're dead and a weight has been lifted. Yeah, we were comparing it to uh, it's over when you when you had a, a pet that you knew it was like beyond time for them to you know pass. And you just kept putting it off because you didn't want to deal with it and didn't want to live life without your pet. Well, the Brewers were put out of their misery last night, courtesy of the Phillies. That was tough. I mean, the Brewers what had to win out, and the Phillies had, had to, to lose out. out. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Bye, Brewers. Good night. Rowdy, we have the Twitter poll. Is this? I was actually more confident in the uh, Phillies losing out than I was the Brewers winning out. <laughs> Rowdy, we have a Twitter poll. Is this uh, what the Brewers officially eliminated from the playoffs? Is this the most disappointing Brewers season ever? Yes or no? 
51% of the vote says no. Let me tell you this. The Milwaukee Brewers, 50 games into the season, had their best start in franchise history. A 32-18 and 18 record, first place in the NL Central, the best start they had ever had in their franchise history. Brody, what else do they have? Uh, a reigning Cy Young winner? Yep. Uh, they, and, and don't forget, they also had two other starting pitchers that finished in the top 10 of Cy Young voting in Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Yeah. Then on top of that, you look at the bullpen, your back end of Josh Hader, Devin Williams, and Brad Boxberger all returning. And let's not forget Josh Hader and Devin Williams combined to win. What was it? The last, um, was it four reliever of the year awards? I mean, so how can this not be the best start in franchise history through 50 games? You have Cy Young winner, Cy Young almost award getters. You have Josh Hader, the best piece in the bullpen. You knew what you had to fix on offense, had to get a little better on offense. They hired two hitting coaches. The NL Central is down and stunk. In the offseason, you also got out from underneath the Jackie Bradley Jr. contract and acquired Hunter Renfro. Yep. Which was clearly a better player than Jackie Bradley Jr. in any plane of reality. They spit in your face at the trade deadline when they sold Josh Hader. Uh, Rowdy, you you were you were doing this yesterday in the office after the show. Uh, new listener to the the Twitch on Twitch.tv. Search many Ebo says at the follow button. Uh, Jake says to be fair, they played the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds a lot in those fifty games. The irony is they also lost those games in the last two months. Yep. Yep. So when the Brewers first started to their best start in franchise history, they played those teams and beat them. Guess who they played at the end of the year? Those same teams. And what did they do? You were going through the records yesterday. Yeah, so the the Brewers, actually, the only team that they played really well against in interdivision was the Cincinnati Reds. Now, they had losing records to the Cubs. They had a losing record to the Cardinals as well. They did have a winning record against the Pirates, but they were 11-8 and eight against the Pirates, and they started the season 8-2 and two against the Pirates, only to finish... Three and six. Yeah. Now, uh, some people have said this today, Rowdy, uh, that uh, the 2014 season, when they had a seven-game lead tied going into September, ended up losing by eight games to finish 82 and 80. There were no expectations on that team. They they thought they would be rebuilding and would be garbage. There was zero expectations. Nothing. Does it hurt? Yeah. But going into this year, <laughs> the NL Central's down. You have, I mean, I just went through all of it. It's this season. It's this season. It's easily this season since, for me as a Brewer fan, this has been the most frustrating, disappointing year since I became a fan, and that's basically we'll just start it from 2000. Uh, our guy J.A. Krebs says it's not the most disappointing season. Early in the season, you could tell the offense was not good enough, and no trade would have made them good enough. The hater trade had nothing to do with that. I would love I would love to hear what J.A. Krebs said about last year's offense because this year's offense has been actually slightly better. Yeah. And numbers, you can look at the numbers and it spells that out. Yeah. So when everyone and bitches... And the, the hater trade ruined the Brewers. It broke them spiritually. When everyone bitches about the offense and they couldn't do this and they couldn't do that, I don't know what you're talking about because it's the exact same offense as last year. It's actually just slightly better. 
when they are. And hey. last year, if they wanted to, they could have set the franchise record for most wins in a season. What you need to look at is the fact that a you had injuries to your starting rotation. You missed a lot of time with Brandon Woodruff. Remember the weird little finger yep. Yep. feeling thing? Yep. And then obviously Freddie Peralta was on the shelf for what? Three months total mm-hmm. between the two different IL stints. That's a big thing. But I think one <laughs> of the is. other major things is your bullpen sucked. Your bullpen last I looked, and this was um, about a week and a half ago, your Bullpen ERA was ranked 16th in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you know how many teams are in Major League Baseball, but there's 30. That means you're technically in the bottom half. You're middle of the road. And I'm sure it's only uh, only went down yep. since uh, then because think about all the games they've blown in the last week. On top of that, you traded away Josh Hader, which, yeah, he was going through a rough patch of about, what, three to four weeks. But who would have thought that a guy that has been – Incredible since 2017 would have found himself again. Hmm, well, who would have guessed? Or who would have thought that a team like the Philadelphia Phillies or the San Diego Padres would have actually claimed the wild card? The two teams that actually acquired players at the deadline, not sold players at the deadline. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, it's like what really hurt this team was the bullpen was way, 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 way worse than what it was last year. And you had injuries to practically every single starter at some point this season outside of a couple. That was your biggest issues. But I think the third one is you didn't try to get better when you had the lead and the opportunity to do so. So Ben, how was last night for you? It was awesome. I was (laughs) so... The weird part was, was awesome. the Brewers game started 30 minutes before. And obviously, as you guys have, I'm sure, discussed, the Diamondbacks got up. They were leading four to one for a bunch of the game. And they used Hunter Renfro correctly, right, Rowdy? What, he didn't bunt in the ninth? No. With the bases empty? Uh, and Aaron Nola had a perfect game through six and two thirds. And I didn't even care about the Brewers because I, I said I wasn't going to care until the Astros touched first base, which they did not do until there were two outs in the sixth inning. And then, uh, obviously, as soon as um, the Brewers, I think, start to make a comeback, the Phillies started to widen the gap. So I never paid much attention to the game happening in the backyard here. It was amazing. I I can't really. (laughs) It was was amazing. (laughs) There aren't many words to. It's just relief. No, Rowdy Rowdy said it best, too. I think we are also relieved, in a sense. It's over. I don't have to deal with their BS anymore. Now, Ben, we're saying, is this the most disappointing Brewer season of all time? For expectations, what they had on their roster, and then what they did throughout the season, the best start in 50 games in franchise history to where they ended up trading away, selling at the deadline. Josh Hader's gone. The, 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 you know, the offense is a little better than last year, but the bullpen stinks, yada, yada, yada. It was terrible. So we have people saying, well, what about 2014 uh, when they were leading the majors almost the entire year and then missed the playoffs? There's no expectations on the Brewers that year. They and thought they'd also, be rebuilding. Yeah, that team, you could start to kind of see them start to to wobble a little bit in June. And again, they were playing a man down with Wei Chong Wang on the roster, a guy that was taking up a roster spot. And rosters were smaller then because that was when it was 25, not 26. So you were not only playing with a smaller roster in general, but you had one less relief pitcher. Yeah. So also J.A. Krebs comes in. He says most disappointing season for me is when the uh, we had the Dodgers in the NLCS and we let them off the hook. 
I mean, yeah, it was disappointing you didn't get to the World Series, but how magical and fun was that season looking back on it, right? I mean, who who doesn't forget Brandon Woodruff hitting a home run off Clayton Kershaw? Like, I think of a lot of, now they lost, which sucks, but I think a lot of good memories from that, of like how fun it was. I look at this season, it was a, it was a chore. It was painful. It was labored love. It was, it sucked. I mean, not, it, was, it was a pet that was dying. You knew you had to put it out of its misery, but you couldn't bring yourself to do it. Well, last night, the Phillies did it. You euthanized our cat last night, Ben. The Brewers played a night at what, six o'clock again? Six forty? Who cares? Oh yeah, Rowdy, go you were going through the uh How many people are gonna be there? How many people tonight were tomorrow? there last how many people well, have been Wednesday's there? Wednesday's a three month? o'clock. Wednesday's a three something game. That so here's here's one of the things that I was looking at. Attendance wise, the Brewers should finish thirteenth. They're currently in fourteenth, but with the three games that they had left on home from where this was tracking I think they can manage 70,000 people in three games, especially with tickets sold, tickets sold, not actual bodies in attendance, but tickets sold. They should finish in 13th. And that's taking into account. Look at the stands and the pleads from the brewers and their marketing department trying to get people in the stands since basically the Josh Hader trade. Seriously. And, and and continuing into September, it whittled down to less and less people. They still are going to have so almost two point four million people go through their their turnstiles. This is still a top half of the Major League Baseball from the smallest market. Imagine if they actually were in it or were playing good baseball, they easily would have had over two and a half million people there. Duh. Winning. So Craig Council was asked about the trade. So I mean, you can pinpoint it. I know the offense was stinky. They're actually better than last year. They're two hitting coaches. Get three next year. Craig Council was asked about the trade of Josh Hader. If it, you know, affected the Brewers. He said, quote, we had a bad month of August. There's no question about it. Whether that's related to the trade, that's a story we're going to tell. In my mind, it a little bit becomes an excuse. The trade was made and we didn't play well. It happened. It's hard to run from it but I don't think it's directly related. We didn't play well after the trade, so it's going to be talked about, and it's fair. It's just that there's a lot of other things that go into winning a baseball game other than just one inning of someone pitching. Rowdy, how many saves, did the market, how many games did the Brewers blow? Since the Josh Hader trade, they have blown 15 saves since the Josh Hader trade. 15 saves. They lost 11 games in which they had a lead in the eighth inning or later. That's ridiculous. If you just win half of those games, you're still playing meaningful baseball right now to win the central. That's just half of them since August. And you know who needs to look at themselves in the mirror and say, I had a bad season? Craig Council. <laughs> what did you say yesterday? Wrong wrong coach fired. Yeah, wrong coach in the state got fired. <laughs> wrong coach fired. So Brandon Woodruff was talking about how much fun they had this month when they brought the ping pong table in and how he wished they did it earlier. Oh, God. I don't I didn't have a strong take aside from... I didn't... What's, what? Here's the thing. Number, it probably was a good thing. They didn't have to sit there and think about how crappy they were. Yes. Uh, 
one, they had a they played like crap this month or last month in September. <clears throat> two, I, ping pong table, whether you brought it in in May or June or April, this team just wasn't good. You know what would have made the season more fun? It's not a ping pong table. It's if they would have brought in better players. <laughs> How about that? You mean instead of uh, not selling at the trade deadline? Like, well, Ben, I don't want to. I don't want to bring you down to the dumps with your Phillies getting to the playoffs for the oh, first time in a while. There's nothing that can happen to me today that can bring me to the dumps. Let me. Let me uh, go. We got to meet in HR after the show. Uh, you're going <laughs> in the file. Let me go through this Brewer season. You're put on notice. So last year they had Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta all finish in like the top. I think it was eight in Cy Young voting in the NL. All three of them. You had Josh Hader and Devin Williams who finished in the top five for the best relief pitcher. Those two combined to win the last four reliever of the year awards in the NL. So you were loaded and Boxberger was coming back. You were loaded in the bullpen. You were loaded in your starting rotation. You had six, seven viable starters that could log innings for you. The offense was the offense that uh, you were hoping would have a, a increase. Yep. So the offense was bringing back Rowdy Telez, who had really good half of a year in Milwaukee. The offense was bringing back Willie Adamas, who had an exceptional five out of six months in Milwaukee. Luis Arias had a big season in 2021. You were hoping he could bring that back. Colton Wong was coming off of a solid year. You were hoping to get more out of Yelich and to get a okay Lorenzo Kane, and you were bringing in Hunter Renfro, which I think everyone believed would be an upgrade to Avisel yeah, we Garcia and Jackie Renfro. Bradley Jr. So you had some upside. Well, they actually, despite what some people say, played better offensively. Now, what kind of baseball is Major League Baseball trying to play more and more with analytics and numbers? It's the home runs and strikeouts, right? home run or strikeout. Well, for me, the one thing that matters the most is runs per game because it's about how many cross home plate. Because They're actually slightly better with runs per game this season than they were last season. So I'd say that would be a thumbs up for the offense. Home runs. It's about home runs. We know the Brewers are built on hitting a lot of home runs. Look at the, how the roster's constructed. They're finishing in the top five in home runs hit this season. Yep. Guess what? That's better than what they did last year. So the guys getting on base, hitting home runs and scoring runs per game with how they do it metrics wise, they actually got better in all of those categories this year. They don't care about hitting with runners in scoring position or leaving guys on. Of course, they'd like to do it. But all they care about are the runs and the home runs. So by their metrics and their theories, they actually did better offensively, very slightly, but they actually did improve. And guess what? They sold you that they were going to say they they saved money because they they kept the Rowdy Telez. They had all these guys on arbitration and they they could get some veteran leadership in Andrew McCutcheon for eight and a half million dollars. They really didn't do anything other than the moves they had made previously outside of Renfro, which was a big thumbs up. And then an old, old McCutcheon, but they were still better. Yeah, they were. But look at the places where you stunk. You had injuries to Woodruff. You had a big-time injury to Peralta. Obviously, 
uh, that was a, a, a big blow. Corbin Burns, outside of the last month or so, had actually been slightly better than his Cy Young season. Yeah, I remember that. Now, the bullpen, injuries in the bullpen are your biggest two. Because look at the look at the uh, rotation. Burns was relatively close to where he was at. Woodruff missed over a month. Peralta missed about three months. Adrian Hauser was nowhere close to as good as he was in 2021. Ashby was so unlucky and wasn't as good as he was after his hey, first couple paid, starts though. in 2021. Nice um, you were using Jason Alexander and those type of bums. <laughs> then the Cornus. Like the summer of George. Your rotation fell apart, which was a huge issue. The other the other thing was All right. the bullpen went from being a top seven bullpen to I just looked it up right now 16th. with two games left. They're seventeenth. You're seventeenth. You're and now they had a lot of injuries to the bullpen. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> a lot of those lower leverage guys that were pretty solid for them and were even solid this year when healthy, they got hurt. Nothing you can do about it. But Hater had that blip for three to four weeks. Then you traded him. Devin Williams has blown games. Boxberger has blown games late. Taylor Rogers was a disaster. Like, there were other issues where I guarantee you, if you could take the exact same pitching staff from 2021 and put it on this 2022 season's offense, you wouldn't be bitching about the offense because you'd have more wins than you did even last season. It's just unfortunate right. for the injuries. But the fact that you didn't buy when you had yeah, the opportunity yep. is spitting in the fans' face, and it's spitting in so, the players' face. I still can't get over the stat. The Milwaukee Brewers' bullpen has blown 15 saves since trading away Hayter on August 1st. That is the most in all of baseball. And how many how many saves has Hayter blown? Two for the Padres? Hayter was not good those first couple of weeks two? with the Padres, but... Late, lately, Josh Hader has been pitching. Yeah. Right, the phones, oh, I don't know, like a guy that they the used to call Josh Hader. Today, going forward, we are all Phillies fans. <laughs> no. <laughs> Line one, who's this? Boys, Kyle. Hey, Kyle, what's up, dude? Hey, man, yeah, your poll question, you know, it, it is a very uh, disappointing season. Um, I, I would say it's one of the, the worst as of late. Not the most heartbreaking. The most heartbreaking was when they were a game – yeah, that's heartbreaking. Uh, and out, and out, this is disappointing. Away from, yeah, it's, you know, it just, uh, I, I'm glad I only went to one game and gave this organization a little bit of money. I mean, I did have to remortgage my house, you know, just to go to the game, but, you know. <laughs> hey, but they gave you a $6 is. voucher if you wanted to go back. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Uh, you kind you kind of gave me free tickets to go to a game, you know, late in the season here. It was just, it was gross, man. I mean, the whole the whole locker room changed, you know, when they got rid of Hater and it mm-hmm. just, uh, they, like like you said, they just spit in our face. It's just disgusting. Um, but you know what? It's Packers season now. I guess we'll yep. look we got the Packers to, to hopefully not inevitably disappoint us. Badger basketball will be coming up here shortly. That's you know my wheelhouse. Yeah, oh yeah, love me some Badger, some bucky hoops. That'll be be an interesting season. Hey Kyle, it we should be. Yeah, should we be. we love you, buddy. Yeah, Packers season. Let's go, go Pack, go baby. Hey, I got one thing for yeah. Rowdy. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, he's going to love this idea. You get rid of uh, council. You bring in um, Ryan Braun as your head coach. <laughs> How do you like that? A How do you like player, them apples? Player manager. How do you like them apples, Rowdy? Thanks, Kyle. That's funny. You're welcome. You, so Josh Hader's last 10 appearances, he's logged almost 10 innings, given up just one run. ERA, obviously, south of one. A whip. 
of .65 and 11 strikeouts. So a K's per nine, well over 10. Mm. That looks like Josh Hader being back to Josh Hader. Yeah, the dude was phenomenal for about three months, had that little two-month blip, and now he's back for the last month of the season pitching well. Line two, good morning, News Us. I'm a fan of anyone that beats the Yankees and the Braves. Well, if it isn't Z and the D. Hey, also, uh, I don't know if you heard or not, October 12th, the Kurderberger is back for Culver's. Uh, I figure it would be back around that same time. I think last year it went on October 15th, so the 12th. Those arteries aren't going to clog themselves, see? I know. I got to get that life insurance. Uh, I got to get that thing kicking in faster. So. Well, I, I assume you have them because you own a house, right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. got one. Yeah, you got to be smart about those things. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, they should have brought that ping pong table in about eight. What's the ping pong table? I must have missed this. They just brought a ping pong table in like a month ago, and then all the players... Like, just to play ping pong in the clubhouse? Yeah, they started to smile and play games.